We commence today's show talking politics with Danielle Moody, Democratic strategist, writer, and host of the very popular podcast, Hashtag Woke AF Daily. And please welcome Danielle back to this program. Danielle Moody, how are you today? I am very good. How are you, Tava? If I complained, I'd be an ingrate. I am doing remarkably well and uh, <laughs> delighted, as always, to, uh, to be in dialogue with you. Um, so much news these days. I, I find myself saying this routinely, I think. I, I, on any given day, never know exactly where to start. But I think uh, the day after the election day, we have to start there. Um, it appears to be a, a, a good night, uh, election night for Democrats. And the first thing I thought last night sounded sort of a checking in to watch some of these returns and waking up early this morning to sort of check in again uh, before we did today's show. Um, while there are questions that still remain about Joe Biden's strength, it was, in fact, a, a decent night, a good night for Democrats. And my, my thought was that everybody a couple of years ago expected this um, this uh, this red wave that didn't quite happen. And so the news of this week, which we've talked about uh, a couple of days and we'll talk about with you, I'm sure, this poll that everybody saw in The New York Times um, that uh, Joe Biden is trailing Donald Trump in five or, or six of these key battleground, these key swing states. Biden is, uh, is trailing Trump a year out. And all sorts of panic has set in this week, given uh, the results of that poll. Again, we got a year to go. That's a lifetime, many lifetimes in politics, as you well know. But that, but that poll has been um, has been getting a lot of attention this week. But the numbers last night suggest, again, across the country, Democrats had a decent night. So maybe all of the hand wringing and all the head scratching about Joe Biden trailing Donald Trump a year out uh maybe much ado about nothing, given again that the red wave they expected last time didn't happen, and frankly, it didn't happen last night either. Uh, and I think that that's right, Tavis. And what I have been, you know, telling my own listeners is that paying attention to polls 12 months out is a bench is, is essentially like looking at your horoscope, right? It provides you with some general mm-hmm. understanding of maybe how the day will go, but it is, it is not uh, prescriptive, right? And so what I think is important is for, you know, for us to recognize and celebrate our wins, because frankly, in this current climate, we have very few and far between. Mm-hmm. Um, and so last night, um, let's shout out the people of Kentucky who decided to keep their Democratic uh, governor. Mm-hmm. Let's shout out the people of Ohio that ins- that decided to enshrine abortion access into their constitution after Republicans spent $28 million to try and deny people their freedom of bodily autonomy. Let's shout out the people of Virginia. Mm-hmm. Uh, Glenn Youngkin was getting ready with an, with an itchy finger, getting ready to sign in a 15-week abortion ban because he thought that the red wave was coming. And the people of Virginia said, yeah, I don't think so. And not only did they hold on to the, the state Senate, but they flipped the House. And so I think that what we have to understand is that Republicans, the Dobbs decision for them at the Supreme Court, has been a loser for them consistently at the ballot box, right? And you heard, you know, uh, I, I couldn't help but roll my eyes, but put up uh, uh, signals to uh, a tweet that Rick Santorum put out, Republican uh, talking head, who said, uh, looking at Ohio, this is why democracy doesn't work, mm. right? Because Republicans are telling you out loud what they believe in, which is fascism and authoritarian rule, because he doesn't want, he doesn't like what the voters did in Ohio. And he's saying if people didn't have the right to vote and we could just rule by fiat, then all would be well in that state. And so those are people that are telling you they don't believe in your freedom. They don't believe in your liberty and they don't certainly believe in justice. And so they are telling you who they are. And we need to continue right to listen to that for the next 12 months. 
because there is no alternative right now for uh, to, to decide to sit out and say that I don't like Biden. He's not my guy. Trust me, I have my own issues with him right now. But uh, alternative? No. I'll, I'll stick with Biden. We'll talk in this hour then about some of the issues you have with Joe Biden, issues that others have with him. Uh, more news about Trump as this um, uh, fraud trial continues. And I want to come right back uh, to this point that, uh, that Daniel makes now about uh, a woman's right to choose. Uh, and that issue, again, as of yesterday, shows no signs of waning as a top issue. You heard her talk about what happened in Ohio yesterday. Um, and I, am curious as to whether or not she thinks that issue will play well for Biden, uh, a year from now. Again, it still seems to be a very strong issue. People still mad about what the Supreme court did on this issue, uh, but will it play uh, well for Biden uh, at the national level, as well as, as well as it appears to be playing in states uh, and locales around the country. A great deal more to talk about just getting started in this first hour. You're listening to Danielle Moody on Tavis Smiling. More of Tavis Smiley when we come forward. Helping to make you the most knowledgeable person in your circle of friends. This is Tavis Smiley. Tavis Smiley in conversation with Danielle Moody, host of the show, Hashtag Woke AF, daily. Uh, and uh, just getting started in the first hour, a lot of trending political news, given that yesterday, of course, was an election day across the country. In case you've just tuned in, Danielle and I were talking moments ago about the fact that yesterday was a very good day for Democrats. And you recall a couple of years ago, everybody thought that uh, that red wave was coming. It didn't quite happen. Uh, and last night it didn't happen either. There were a number of uh, significant wins for, um, for, uh, for, the, for the Democrats last night. And I want to talk about how Joe Biden takes advantage of that to the extent that he can. I'm not sure he can, but I want to check uh, Danielle's temperature on, on how the president um, can uh, can work to use these Democratic victories from yesterday to his advantage. Uh, we'll come to that in a moment. Um, we were talking about Dobbs earlier. You were talking about Dobbs, and we were talking about a woman's right to choose and how this issue uh, has just uh, really stoked uh, many fellow citizens, many people upset still about the Supreme Court decision last term regarding this particular issue, and it still is playing quite well uh, certainly for Democrats uh, around the country. The question is whether or not you think it's going to play nationally uh, for Biden next year. I think that he has to double down on uh, on abortion access. I think that he has to lift up the fact that we have a Speaker of the House that is two heartbeats away from the presidency who wants a national abortion ban. I think that what he has to make the case to the American people that every election is consequential to their daily lives. And this one being the difference, you know, not between Biden and Trump, not even between, you know, MAGA and democracy, but between liberty and justice and authoritarianism, right? We are seeing that rise around the world. And so for him, he needs to make this that cornerstone issue, abortion access, because if they can take that away, right, what is next, right? All of our decisions, all of our civil rights, has been won through the court. So if this Republican Party decided that tomorrow, if Donald Trump becomes president, that in the first 100 days, they want to jam through a case to upend Brown versus the Board of Education, folks, they can do that, right? Because they have a very favorable right-wing justice uh, a Supreme Court, right? So I think that what folks have to understand and how he needs to make that case is very stark. Right. You know, people don't have to come out because love Joe Biden. Let's be real. They have to come out because they love liberty. 
because they love their freedom, because they love their autonomy, because they love American values, even if we don't always live up to them. Mm. Even if they like Joe Biden, many of them are still scared of Kamala Harris. Put a pin in that. We'll come to that. We raised this issue yesterday. Uh, some new numbers about, about Kamala Harris. And I raised it uh, with my guest who happened to be a male yesterday, a white male, uh, no less. Uh, so I've not had a chance to take the temperature of a black woman about these numbers regarding Kamala Harris. If you missed yesterday's dialogue, it got interesting. We got a huge response from people yesterday listening about those numbers uh, and whether or not Joe Biden should uh, get rid of Kamala Harris as his running mate. We'll talk about that uh, and take Danielle's, uh, uh, get her read on that in a moment here. But let me, one, one, a couple more things here though on Joe Biden. Uh, Joe Biden right quick. Uh, Number one, as I said a moment ago, um, despite the fact that Democrats had a really good night uh, yesterday, there are still questions, of course, about Joe Biden's strength to your own admission, by your own admission. uh, You've got issues with Mm -hmm, Joe Biden, mm -hmm. and we'll get some of those uh, in this hour as well. But he's still being, of course, dogged by uh, questions about his his, uh, his electoral strength headed toward what we presume to be a rematch with with, 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 uh, with Donald Trump. I mentioned uh, earlier uh, in this program that this week on Monday, as I recall, the New York Times and Siena College put a poll out that you saw, Danielle, showing that Trump is leading Biden in the critical swing states of Arizona, Georgia, Nevada, Michigan, and Pennsylvania. And in those critical swing states, um, he's, he, he's tracking, he being Donald Trump, is tracking 22% of the black vote. 22% of the black vote uh, Trump is tracking in these critical swing states, Arizona, Georgia, Nevada, Michigan, and Pennsylvania. That's scary. So just hours uh, before the election results uh, trickled in last night, CNN released its new poll showing Donald Trump leading Biden 49% to 45% among registered voters. I take your point earlier, Danielle, that reading uh, polls mm-hmm. uh, reading polls a year out is like looking at your horoscope. I sort of get that. Uh, and, and yet and, and yet what concerns me is that these polls are revealing a pattern. All of these polls mm-hmm. are pointing to uh, underscoring, pick your word, the same thing. So it may be a year out, but none of these polls are saying anything different. And that's something that's, get, that, that's getting my attention. Yeah. And I think, you know, and again, this is why I say I said what I said about horoscopes and polls. Mm-hmm. I, I think that they are right in terms of. We need to pay attention, right. right? This administration needs to pay attention to the messaging or lack thereof that they are that they are using, right? Um, it was very interesting because I spoke with somebody, a messaging expert, that said, you know, the funny thing about voters is that they don't really care about what it is that you have done. And I think that this administration does, you know, a consistent drumbeat all over social media about the things that they have done in the past. What voters care about is what you are going to do, mm-hmm. right, and what you are doing. And so the more that they can focus their messaging on freedom, on liberty, on justice, right, and preserving our values and painting the opposition as the authoritarian white supremacist regime that they are, the better off he will be. But if you start talking about, you know, yeah. Outside of jobs numbers, which are very easy for the average American person who is not paying attention to politics day in and day out, outside of that, if you're focusing on inflation, if you're focusing, you know, on interest, they don't care, right? Because a lot of Americans across this country are hurting, Mm -hmm. right, regardless of what the numbers say. So I think that he has to center his messaging on freedom, on liberty, on justice, and where this country is headed. And the and the disaster, the derailment, the backsliding that we know is already happening globally 
with America's standing. That's where he has to live. That's mm-hmm. where he has to focus. And if he does that, the decision is very clear. I'm sure you, I'm sure uh, you noticed the same thing I noticed uh, last night, which is that in, in none of these major races that the country uh, was paying attention to last night in Kentucky and Ohio and beyond in Virginia, um, Joe Biden had a few endorsements here or there, but he did not get out and campaign anywhere. Nobody invited him to campaign anywhere. So Democrats had a great night last night. And I think it's fair to say while they did not run away from Joe Biden, they didn't run toward him either. How am I to read that reality, Daniel Moody? You know, I I think that he did what he needed to do, which is stay out of the way. Right. (laughs) Like your number, you know, you don't you don't bring if 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 the person that you're hanging with at your lunch table um, has it has a has a certain um, stench around them, you're going to decide to move away for a bit. Right. (laughs) Mm -hmm. So I think that the reality is, is that Biden and the Democrats know right now that he does not have the strongest appeal. So let them not link arms with him. They're not bashing him. They're not trying to distance. But let these local and state races be about exactly that, these local and state races. Well, he did it well last night. He played it well. Uh, Nicely played, Mr. President. Uh, He stayed out. uh, He stayed away. And Democrats had a really, really good night last night. So, again, we will see if all of this talk about the coming red wave and all these polls indicating that Trump is leading Biden a year out, whether or not that means anything 12 months from now, as, uh, as I said earlier, uh, there are many, many lifetimes in politics between now and next November. So we shall see. Uh, but it is concerning to me that all these polls continue to say the same thing. And as we get closer, uh, if the takeaway from these polls continue again to point to a pattern, um, uh, Danielle's right. The White House has to pay attention. The Biden team has to pay attention. Now, the one thing this poll pointed out earlier this week, the New York Times-Siena college poll, in case you uh, didn't hear our show on Monday when it came out, um, is that if mm-hmm. Donald Trump is, in fact, convicted, these numbers all start to shift. So folk feel this way now because he's not been convicted. But if he's convicted, people, at least at least they have some conscience. Uh, and not, not everybody, but many uh, fellow citizens in these polls say that if he, in fact, Donald Trump is convicted, then that would make it more difficult for them to vote for Donald Trump. So as I said Monday and probably said similarly yesterday, um, all these prosecutors, Danielle, need to put their foot on the accelerator and make sure that somebody gets him a a guilty verdict uh, because that may be the only way to keep him out of the White House. I mean, look, the reality here, too, is that Donald Trump's lawyers know that. It's why they are gumming up the works every every single step that they take, right? Mm-hmm. It's why you're seeing this circus and fiasco take place right now in New York. Um, I, I, I think that if we put too much weight on a conviction a year from now, um, then that is going to take the responsibility off of the Biden administration to make their case, right? We know who Donald <laughs> Trump is. So he has to... The Biden administration needs to make that case of who they are, because we can't just wait because justice, uh, we know, rolls pretty slow. Okay, pretty much like molasses moving backwards on top of a slaw. And so at this point, thinking that we are going to see Donald Trump convicted of anything and understanding his ability to appeal, appeal, appeal. Come on. Right. We cannot put all of our eggs in that basket, unfortunately. It also it says something to me. I, I, I hadn't said this publicly, but it, it just occurs to me now in our dialogue, Danielle, that if the only thing that you can rely on to beat Donald Trump, uh, as evidenced by what these polls are telling us, at least, uh, 
is that he's going to get convicted. That that's a little scary. That that you can't right. you can't outright beat him <laughs> on the on the issue. You can't beat him in a head to head. So your hail mary, as it were, your hail mary, is for him to get convicted. But what does that what does that say about Biden or about the Biden team or about Democrats or about the nation writ large? That the only way it appears at the moment to stop him from getting back to the White House is to convict him. Yeah, I mean, I think that's why I think that that is terrifying, right? Um, You know, we have to understand that we've lost 25 to 30 percent of this country. They are not coming back. Mm. But that is not the majority of who this country is. They are just a very loud, strategic minority. And so if the Biden administration wants to win and not just win in terms of let me hold on to another four years and my legacy, but to win in terms of the American people understanding that democracy is a very fickle thing and that if we are not paying attention, if we are not constantly vigilant, right, if we are not holding our elected officials accountable, then we are one election away in authoritarian regime every single election cycle. So we, we cannot just say, oh, well, Donald Trump will be convicted and then all will be well, because what we are seeing Tavis, is the fact that the MAGA poison, this cancer, move, has moved and spread well beyond Donald Trump. Mm-hmm. Donald Trump out, you got Mike Johnson, Glenn Youngkin, DeSantis, you have all of these people with the same ideology and a lot more strategic thinking. Government. Same outcome. Mm-hmm. Um, Kings. I'm 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 wondering whether or not there is a way, and if so, how the Biden team. We said earlier they were smart enough to stay out of it. Democrats had a great night last night. Uh, is there a way for him to use these um, stellar uh, results uh, from yesterday, these Democratic victories, to his advantage uh, at this point? Yes, and I think that we've seen that. I mean, my inbox was full last night with mm-hmm. <laughs> donations. Mm-hmm. And talking about, you know, with, with with requests for donations and, you know, and talking about uh, democracy has spoken, the people have spoken um, from from the Biden team. So I think that, yes, using it to his advantage, stating that this Dobbs decision was the beginning. Right. They said that it was going to be down to states and then, you know, let the states decide. And then the people are deciding. And now they're saying, no, 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 we don't like your decision. So if they can do it with this, they will do it with everything else that has been hard fought and won over the last 60 years. And so that's how you use it to your advantage. You say that this is a bellwether. This is a signal of where the American people are and where we need to be. And you double and triple down on it. Mm. Let me um, let me share some numbers with you about Kamala Harris. uh, And then uh, we'll get uh, Danielle Moody's reaction to it when we come forward. But there are a lot of people who aren't just concerned about Joe Biden's age and his uh, uh, the, his fragile nature. I'll put it that way. Uh, it's not just that he's old. There are a lot of old folk, uh, folk I like to say, who are chronologically gifted, who are still very uh, virile uh, and move and think and have energy. So it's not just about the numbers, not just because you're old, but he, he's fragile uh, and he's, he's, he's delicate when you see him move and hear him talk and Etc. Etc. So it's not just the age; it's that he appears uh, not to be on top of his game. So there are a lot of folk concerned that if, in fact, God forbid, Joe Biden were to win and die in office, Kamala Harris becomes the president. And there are a lot of folk uh, the polls continue to indicate uh, who are concerned about that. 
Uh, I wonder whether or not if Joe Biden had a different running mate, um, people would be less concerned about his age if they knew, again, that somebody in the number two slot uh, would be someone other than the, the person there now, Kamala Harris. And I'm not making a, a, a statement about that. I'm just asking questions whether or not he might have stronger numbers if they weren't so concerned about his number two. Here are the numbers right quick. Uh, these are Kamala Harris's net favorability numbers versus past vice presidents. Favorability compared to other vice presidents. Uh, I, I laid this out yesterday, but I didn't get a chance to talk to a black woman about it. So that's why I'm raising it now to get Danielle's take on it. She's a 11 points under Mike Pence on favorability. 11 points, a negative 11 to Mike Pence, a negative 12.7 to Joe Biden, a negative 31 to Darth Vader. I'm sorry, Dick Cheney, negative 31 to Dick Cheney. That I can't. That's crazy. And a negative 44.9, basically a negative 50 to Al Gore. Negative 11 to Mike Pence, negative 12.7 to Joe Biden, negative 31 to Darth Vader, Dick Cheney, and a negative 44.9 to Al Gore. Those numbers are stunning to me. So there are a lot of concern. There is a lot of concern about her still being number two on this ticket. We'll get Danielle's read on that when we come forward. You're listening to Tavis Smiley. You're listening to Tavis Smiley. Tavis Smiley. Rank number 45 on the heavy hundred list of the 100 most important radio talk show hosts in America. May Fresh Daily in the Mert Park, Los Angeles, California. You're listening to Tavis Smiley. Tavis Smiley and Daniel Moody, host of the uh, very popular podcast, political podcast, Hashtag Woke AF Daily. And I'm always thrilled to be in dialogue with uh, Daniel. It always gets me to uh, see things through a different prism, uh, ways I might not have considered it before. So I always uh, learn and I'm pushed when I uh, when I talk to her. And that's, that's a beautiful thing. So let me go over these numbers again, uh, Danielle. As I said, I mentioned this yesterday when we came across these numbers, when they came out yesterday. Uh, but I happen to have a guest on who was a male, and, of course, I'm a male. So you had two males talking about a female, <laughs> which uh, which burns me. I mean, I understand, given what I do every day, but I, I've, I've said for many, many years, I, I know Johnny come lately to this, that there are too few sisters who get a chance to be heard uh, on political issues in this country, which is why I love talking to you. And at my home station here in L.A., uh, KBLA Talk 1580, we are pleased to, to boast and brag about the fact that we have more female talk show host on this station than any station in the country period not even close um talk show hosts who are females sisters hosting shows all day all weekend and uh it's important i think that that women uh, have their say so now i get a chance to talk to a black woman about these poll numbers so again uh mm-hmm. harris's net favorability versus past vice presidents i'm going to read two things to you uh first uh, these numbers and then one or two comments that are coming in already because I knew we were going to take long for that to happen. <laughs> so uh, her net favorable numbers uh, against uh, past vice presidents, Mike Pence, um, she's a negative 11. Uh, and nobody likes Mike Pence. He just dropped out of the race. But she's a negative 11 up against Mike Pence, who, again, nobody mm. has any taste for. She's a negative 12.7 against Joe Biden when he was vice president to Barack Obama. She's a negative 31 to Dick Cheney. Nobody liked Dick Cheney. <laughs> Uh, she's a negative 31 to Dick Cheney, and she's a negative 44.9 to Al Gore. Now, that shows how people still, you know, look back on the Clinton-Gore years as good years in this country, and the economy was soaring, and yada, yada, yada. So there's still some 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 decent feeling about Al Gore. But those are her numbers versus past vice presidents. One other thing right quick, and I'll shut up and pass the mic to you. So a number of messages coming in. I just want to read one of them right quick. Tavis, Kamala faces the intersection of race and gender that does not apply to any other past VP. Let me pause for a second. I get that. 
I get that. But that ain't my issue. That ain't your issue. We're only comparing her to pass by his presence and whether or not they are a uh, a boon to the ticket or whether they're a drag on the ticket. You're right. They're all white men before her, but that's that's really not the right frame. We got to get in the right frame. The right frame is as vice president, black, white, male, female, is this person a drag on the top of the ticket? That's the question. So the frame has got to be right. I go on to read more. How can her numbers be fairly compared? Well, I think I just answered that. Um, she says, it burns me. I understand that, too. <laughs> what concerns me more, though, Tabish, than her poll numbers is her being part of an administration that is supporting and funding Palestinian genocide. Put a pin in that. We'll get to that part in just a second. Uh, I shut up now and I yield to the to the gentle lady from uh, hashtag woke AF daily uh, to, to dissect these numbers as you see them. The microphone is yours. So I, I think that the, what, what the listeners said are, is important, but I think that the context that you're providing is necessary. I don't think that Kamala Harris has ever been given an opportunity inside of this administration to truly shine. Mm-hmm. I really don't. I think that there has been uh, times and issues that she could have been leading on and been front on. And this administration, you know, for, for like the first year, or so, I kept saying, where is the vice president? Where is the vice president? They decided to go with a historic vice, pre- uh, vice president as a choice and then almost, almost wanted us to forget that she, was a bl- that she was a black woman, that she was a multiracial woman, right? Mm-hmm. And so I feel that those numbers very much reflect the fact that if you were to ask the average person about Kamala Harris, what would they say? Right. Like what do you know, what issues matter most to her? Mm-hmm. What is her you know, what what is her background? Um, we have not gotten to know her now, to be fair. Um, what I did know about my sense, I did not like. Right. And mm-hmm. so the idea, I think the, the audacity that she even trails to him is ridiculous. And I do believe that that has everything to do with race and everything to do with gender. Mm-hmm. But I do think that this administration did not serve this vice president in the way to provide her an opportunity to take up space. Because I think that there was both excitement and fear about bringing too much attention to a person that was a heartbeat away from the president so, so- at a time when we're wa- watching Race, uh, racism and misogyny at an all-time high. So, so here's my press. I take all that. There's nothing you just said I, I disagree with at all. But here's my press. If you are vice president and you have dreams and visions of being president one day, and we know she has that because she already ran for president one time. So we know right. what, 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 what she wants to do in the future. So the administration, the, the Biden team may treat you one way or maltreat you one way, but at what point do you exercise your agency to step in and to make sure that you are fashioning and controlling and advancing your image the way you want to, knowing what you want to do in the future. And I'm not saying buck up against the administration. I'm saying Kamala's reading the same stuff that we're reading. She knows how folk perceive her. She knows that that she is a drag on this ticket right now. At what point in this process do you take control of your own agency to make sure that you brand and fashion your image the way you want it to be for what you intend to do in the future, no matter what happens to Joe Biden? He ain't going to be around forever, Danielle. I mean, that's true, but I think that we also have to understand that you serve at the pleasure of the president. And if the president is not giving you, right, and that office is not giving you a green light to be able to carve out that space, and they're telling you to be to the side, but all the way to the side so that we don't even know that you're on the stage, 
um, unless it's for a ceremonial act, that's where the problem is. We've never had a vice president that moved outside of the president's shadow. But Biden, the only time that we've actually seen true partnership right. with a president and vice president is with Biden and Obama and with Gore and Clinton. Wait, that, that's, and that's the, point I, that's the point I was about to make. So you're, you're telling me one of two things. If Biden did it with Obama and Gore did it with Clinton, and I would add one other thing, I think you're missing this one, absolutely Dick Cheney did it with George W. Bush. Many would argue that, that Cheney ran the White House more so than George Bush did. Yeah. Uh, as you recall, yeah. he was in charge of the transition team. I mean, he was in charge of picking the vice president, the running mate, and he picked himself. You remember that? He picked himself to be the running mate. So the point is that Cheney did it with Bush, Gore did it with Clinton, and Biden did it with Obama. So you only, so I ain't got but two choices here. Either you're telling me that Joe Biden picked her, but he ain't really fond of her, and he's hiding her in the closet somewhere, so it's all on him. Or you're telling me that she hasn't exercised her agency, as did Biden, Cheney, and Gore. Which one is it? I mean, that's, and but that is the thing, right? Because I don't know which one it is. <laughs> I don't know if he, you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. I don't know if he picked her, right, right to, to as window dressing, or if he actually liked her and believed that she was going to be his partner, mm-hmm. right, in this process of rebuilding America after the disastrous Trump administration. And so what it looks like, based on those numbers and her lack of visibility, is the fact that she was indeed, to some extent, window dressing. Mm-hmm. I think that there's an opportunity with this 2024 campaign to reset the table, right? Like you can, you can decide to make a change, not with a, well, not with a candidate, but with the narrative. And I think that there is room to do that. So Danielle says not with a candidate. I want to probe that when we come forward. Uh, and I am not naive. Uh, I do not believe at this point, I don't believe that Joe Biden is going to change his running mate, but there are a whole lot of folk in his ear and a lot of folk in Washington and polls and studies and, uh, other numbers that indicate that she's dragging this ticket. So here's the question. What would, in fact, happen if Joe Biden chose someone other than Kamala Harris? What would happen? I know the obvious answer, that some black folk get upset and black women would be upset and black women are the backbone of the Democratic Party. I hear that argument. I get it. I understand that. The question for me, which I think I raised yesterday, is if he did that and replaced her with another black woman or just anyone else for that matter, the question for black people then, including black women, is do you love Kamala Harris more than you hate Donald Trump? Because Biden still got the argument that I made a change. I'm entitled to do that. And I think this is better for the country and better for my ticket and better for my reelection effort. And ultimately, the goal is to make sure that we defeat Donald Trump. So black folk would then be faced with that question. Do you love Kamala Harris more than you hate Donald Trump? And I don't know the answer to that question, but we'll see what Danielle Moody has to say about it when we come forward on Tavis Smile. Seeking the truth, the truth, speaking the truth. The truth. This, this is the Tavis Smiley Show. Show. Let's get back to more of this rich dialogue with Tavis Smiley. All right, Daniel Moody. Um, as uh, as difficult as it might be for some to even stomach this conversation, uh, I can assure you because this is, how, this is how campaigns work, and you know that because you've been there. I can assure you that the Biden team, somewhere in, in a dark basement somewhere, is having this conversation. <laughs> And they're looking at poll numbers. They're looking at poll numbers as to whether or not she's a drag on the ticket. Uh, the concerns that people have that if he dies, God forbid, she's going to take over. 
and there's not a lot of confidence in that. But they're also looking at poll numbers as to what would happen, certainly with the black vote, if they made that move. What price would they pay for that? And they're looking at numbers and trying to assess whether or not they could overcome that. Now, they'll deny this all day long. She's my partner. She's my running mate. I'm going with her. And I'm not saying in the end he won't keep Kamala Harris. But I'm telling you, and you know this, they're having these conversations. Mm -hmm. They're, They're looking at these numbers. So my question to you is, what would happen if they made that bold, brazen move? I mean, it would, I, I, the, the move would be absolutely bold and brazen, and it would honestly really depend on who <laughs> they yeah. would swap out for. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know? Yeah. Um, and and it, would, it would have to be some, it would, you know how when politicians decide to leave office, they say, I'm going to spend more time with my family. They all say I'm that. going to do <laughs> this or, you know, or, or. <laughs> you know, so so a lack of that or some major catastrophe, disease, or what have you. I I don't know who you could slot in a year out from the election that would be like the bump that you that you would expect or need, mm-hmm. right? Without people just losing faith in the administration altogether. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm I'm thinking about that. I think there's some names out there that uh, that people wouldn't be uh, too troubled by. Um, but um, at the end of the day, um, how do you think that move would cut with black people, black women in particular? Unless it was another black woman, I don't think that it would bode well. Yeah. Nope. Like because, it, like I said earlier, you didn't set her up for success, mm-hmm. which black, which many black women in this country understand in their own workplaces. Um, and then all of a sudden now it's my fault that the, that the, that the ticket isn't doing well. Um, so I, I, I don't think that would bode well. Yeah. Um, all right. Let me move from that to the uh, a comment that you made earlier. Um, I was talking about Joe Biden and you were saying, you know what? I, I've got some issues with him. Uh, when we come forward, I want to hear what your issues are with him. Uh, Joe Biden, you're listening to Danielle Moody on Tavis Smiling. Hope, agency, dignity. This is Tavis Smiley. Can you dig it? Come on! Sounds different. different, huh? This, this is Tavis Smiley. A few minutes left here in conversation with Danielle Moody, host of uh, Hashtag Woke AF Daily. Uh, Danielle, um, just, again, just a few minutes left here. You said earlier that you know you got some issues with Joe Biden. I'm just curious as to what those issues are. I think that for too long, we have allowed our president, regardless of party, to give billions of tax dollars um, of our money to support weapons and militarizing, you know, foreign nations. Mm-hmm. I think that watching in real time our tax dollars go to work to kill thousands of children and try and make an excuse for that, like that war is the only answer, war against civilians that have no access and ability to leave is wrong. Mm -hmm. And watching it with our own eyes, seeing it in real time, this is the first time that we're watching war in real time. You can't tell us not to believe our lying eyes and to believe the words that are coming out of your mouth. What do you make of the fact that we're passing off billions of dollars to Israel and as we're cutting them checks um our secretary of state went over there and basically got humiliated uh bb says nope we're not we're not we hear you but we're not hearing you and we're not gonna pause we're not gonna stop we're not gonna let you get no hostages out of humanitarian aid in we're not pausing we're going in 
and we're going in full bore. Uh, and by the way, thank you for that check. I mean, how, how did you read that moment? I mean, I read the moment as in we have set up in a uh, set up in a way where you cannot criticize the Israeli government, right? That is not anti-Semitic to criticize a government, mm-hmm. right? Just like it's not anti, it's not anti-Chinese, it's not anti-Islam, you know, mm-hmm. anti-Islam. If you're if you're arguing against policies that are harming people, right? And so, because we've allowed them to be beyond reproach, of course, you're going to be made a fool of. Yeah, I, I I was fascinated by that. Um, you know, he's over there, Secretary of State Antony Blinken, begging them, essentially asking them to stop, uh, to pause here or there so we can get aid in. And they're like, no, nah, we're not doing that. But we, again, thank you for that check. Um, just kind of jumped out at me. Uh, let me close on this note. Um, and I'm hoping to have him on the program in the days uh, in the days uh, to come. But Yusef Salam, uh, if the name rings a bell, Yusef Salam, it rings a bell because he was mm-hmm. one of the Central Park Five. On the Central Park Five, um, he was uh, eventually exonerated. You recall Donald Trump throwing him under the bus, um, uh, a lot of, like everybody else did um, uh, in New York, um, the Central Park Five. Well, he eventually was exonerated. And yesterday on Election Day, he won a council seat to represent Harlem on the New York City Council uh, after winning a competitive Democratic primary for the seat back in June. So it was in some ways to be expected that he would win yesterday. But it's a it's it's quite the story uh, that you could be uh, accused of what these Central Park Five members were accused of. Go through all that hell, fight to to, to restore your good name, uh, be exonerated eventually and then win a council seat representing Harlem on the New York City Council. 30 seconds left. I'll give you the last word on that, Daniel. I want to close on something good. So we'll close on that note. Bravo, bravo, bravo. We needed some hope. We needed some hope. We needed something to celebrate. And boy, does our new council member uh, of Harlem give us that. My God, the persistence uh, and the passion and the will. Yeah. We say around here, when we fight, we win. When we fight, we win. And we never, ever let misery have the last word. And Yusef Salam did not let Misery have the last word, and now he's a member of the New York City Council representing Harlem. Daniel Moody, good to have you on this program. We'll do it again down the road. Thank you for your time. Always uh, enjoy your insights, uh, and I appreciate you. Thank you. Good to have you on.